Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's the Lifestyle Business Podcast, where we believe building a biz NAS is the best way to get more personal freedom, opportunity, and opportunity, rather, in your life. Today, I'm joined, as is per the usual, by my captain, my co-host, a man who was a busboy until the age of 25, a little-known biographical fact. Ian, do you know why they call them busboys? Why is that? It's because they take the bus to work. Ooh, <laughs> got that. From I think Chris. I was. Uh, I think I got was riding a motorcycle Rock, at the time. That was my you, only mode of transportation. You are, remember, and that was our first contention in our friendship. If you recall, I was like, "Look, if we're going to be business partners, you cannot be riding that beast down the highway. It's too much of a liability. Can't handle it." Well, you know why I used to do it? Yeah, because we used to, <laughs> we used to work like it was ridiculous. We'd spend what an hour and a half on the road every day just to get to and from the office. So that adds up to like a day or two a week. It was just ridiculous. So I thought, I've got a great idea. I'll get this motorcycle. I'll be able to sleep in a little bit later. It'll only take me 25 minutes to get there. Um, And so that's what I did. And so that year I drove 14,000 miles and I got hit twice on my motorcycle. And then I figured, well, yeah, we're going to start a business and that's not very good statistics. Right. Like you're going to save a week or you're going to save a day every week, but you're going to lose 30 years of your life. So yeah. Hey, if you guys stick around to the end of the episode, Ian and I are going to get philosophical, talk about deferred life plans and the Action Jackson strategy. But first, we got an iTunes review. Five stars from David. Says, this is the new norm. I've been working through the archives and loving your show. You've been helping me to expand my business, Small World Health. So thank you. I think this lifestyle is going to be the norm for a new generation of workers. I do too. I do too. Let's get on to the news, Ian. You're in Orlando. Super yes. Americana. What's going on down there? Orlando, home of Mickey Mouse and the service industry M3. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Do tell. <laughs> yeah. So the, oh, this is a running joke that you and I have. So the service industry M3, and you and I have both been there in our life. It's like a car. You, you buy this car that you really want that you can barely afford, and then you can't afford to do anything else. So the service industry M3 is uh, the guy that buys the M3, and then he's got four mismatched tires on it. You know what I mean? If you're ever, ever thinking of payments, you're, in, you're not even like going the wrong direction. Like You're on the wrong boat. You're in the wrong country. Like if, if, if you're thinking, I can afford to add an extra, no, like that's awful, unless it's debt reduction payments, only exception. Absolutely. So here in Orlando, uh, hanging out with my family uh, for a little bit before I head to Bali to see you in about a week and a half. Yeah, it's going to be great, man. I'm looking forward to it. Things here in Bali have been relatively quiet. I'm going to meet up with some DCers tomorrow, but just been uh, getting some work done. Looking forward to the boss showing up. We've got a lot of... Uh, cool things to do together when you get here. Uh, DC stuff. We've got uh, the Tropical MBA crash course thing that's going to be like a representation of what we did in the Philippines. And then we're also going to work on improving our content plan, um, which means I think, you know, Ian, me and you have to step up in terms of being market leaders in terms of our content. So there's got to be more content. There's going to be more podcasts, more blogs, more books. 
and we're going to talk about how we're going to precisely execute that plan. We have this dream of podcasting every day. I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to play out or if that's going to play out, but I'm interested to do some experimentation with that. Yeah. So this podcast is actually real informal. Um, we're just going to talk about a couple ideas this week and uh, you know try to get you guys inspired to have a great weekend. So one of the things you mentioned, Ian, was uh, your year spent racing and that you learned something about deferring life plans. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this was a really fun year for me. So I just got back last week. Um, I drove out and did the 24 hours of lemons. And for those of you guys that don't know what that is and you're into racing, it's definitely something to check out. The premise is that uh, you race a car around a track. Um, Sometimes it's for 24 hours. Uh, This last time, it was uh, for about 14 hours, about seven and a half hours each day. Um, But the catch is that you can only spend up to $500 on your car. So not only do you have to pick a car that you think can last, you have to be mechanically knowledgeable to work on the car if it breaks down and you've got to have good drivers. Um, And it's a team effort. So there were four of us out there and it was just a blast. And there's like a real culture that's built around this race and it's been going around for the past, I don't know, five or six years and something that I've always wanted to do. Um, And it's cool because you don't have to be a professional race car driver to get into it. You can just kind of be anybody and get out there and see if you like it. And so that's what I did is uh, I went out there and raced the 24 hours of lemons. Uh, I think actually I, I tweeted top 10 finish. I think we're top 10 in our class, but we finished 11th overall. Major accomplishment as far as I'm concerned, 14 hours of racing. There was like 120 cars out there. So it's a lot of fun. But um, yeah, so Dan, this year was the year of racing for me. I did a lot of motorcycle racing. I did a lot of car racing. And uh, that's important uh, for a couple reasons. But as it pertains to the deferred life plan, I think it's really important. Because uh, this is something that I always thought that I wanted to do. I always thought that I wanted to race cars and race motorcycles. And this year, I did it. I spent a bunch of money, and I went out there, and I did it. And it was cool because I didn't put it off until I was like 45 years old. Um, I actually got to taste it. I, I got to see what it would be like to do it. Um, and I think the important thing for me here is that now I know that I don't want to do it full time. Um, it's kind of like an older man sport, older woman sport, uh, if you're into that kind of thing. And because uh, it, it just takes so much money, it takes so much time, and it takes so much resources. Um, and it's just not something that I can afford to do at the same time that we're building these businesses. Um, but I do think it's really important that I got it out of the way, that I experienced it. And whatever that is for you, it might be, I don't know, climbing every peak in, in the world or becoming a tennis pro or whatever. For me, I can't do both at the same time. I can't go racing and build businesses. Um, but I'm glad that I got a taste of it. Yeah, it's like it's like the LBP maxim, if retirement's such a good idea, you should try it out now. Because you know, you because the the problem with this like idea of deferred life plan and retirement is that it it's this big giant massive payoff, and because it's so good, you're willing to opt into an entire uh, you know decades and decades of investment and preparation for this outcome that you think is going to be this big payoff. So much so that you'll do something like. Um, without much question, get into a 30-year banking contract with a, you know what I mean? Like these kinds of decisions seem, they come natural. And, it, and uh, what, what we're finding and we're seeing in our generation is people are testing out retirements early. And they're finding that maybe, you know, this is good and stuff, but maybe it's not worth 30 years of investment and preparation. Maybe it's not necessary. Yeah, maybe maybe what it means is that you should go pursue your dreams now, and you can you can do this on a, on a on a minor scale. You know, I participated in maybe 
uh, I don't know, seven or eight race weekends this year. And that's a lot, you know. I think a pro probably does, I don't know, 20, 25 a year. But you can do it on a, on a smaller scale and, and try it out, see if you like it. And you know, try it on whatever scale you can kind of afford. Yeah, and this is uh, leads into my maxim of the episode and something that I would want to encourage our listeners to do is to proceed into the unknown. I mean, th- I feel like that's what we do, Ian, today. Uh, before we got on the, the podcast, of course, we wasted two hours going back and forth about all this amazing stuff that we're, we're thinking about doing. And the, thing, the truth is, is that we have no idea how any of this stuff is going to work out. That's part of being an entrepreneur, and that's part of of do, do being a leader, really, and doing things that are valuable in life is at some point you have to make a decision based on what you've got, and you have to accept the fact that you don't know how things are going to turn out. And I think it's this sort of stubborn insistence that we need to know the answers before we act that just kills the creative, it kills the artistic, it kills the, the poetry, it kills the romance, and it kills the entrepreneur. You have to at some point decide, I'm going to proceed into this unknown. Let me give you an example of this. I really would encourage people to listen to this great interview between Dan Norris and John Dumas. Um, a lot of us have been listening to John's new podcast because it's called Entrepreneur on Fire and it's been really popular. And uh, he managed to put out an episode every single day, which is something we've been talking about as a huge opportunity. And, um, you know, you can say that. It's really easy for me to say it's a huge opportunity. But John is the guy who put his money where his mouth is. You know, he doesn't have a job. Full time decided that I'm going to proceed into this unknown because I see the value in it. Okay. And that's what an entrepreneur does. He doesn't say I see the money in it. That's very important. Because money is like that certainty. It's it's not no longer the unknown. It's no longer the it's the realm of the employee once you're talking money. But entrepreneurs, they proceed into the unknown. They seek value. Because you know, the way it works philosophically is that it's gonna take a little bit while for that value to turn into money. And that's maybe a bigger concept than we can bring up on this episode. But something to think about is that as an entrepreneur, you're not looking for money, you're looking for value. And that it does have this unknown element because you don't know if it's going to cash out at the end of the day. So anyway, you know, John decides that, you know what the world needs is people love audio. They need podcasting. They need it every day. I'm going to deliver that. That's valuable. And hopefully that's going to turn into money someday. And, you know, three months later and 100,000 downloads a month, I think he's going he's gonna to do okay for himself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and the value for John might be different than the value for people listening to the podcast. But, you know, for the, the value for John is, you know, I can imagine the guy thought, hey, man, I got nothing to lose here. You know, I'm going to try this out and I'm going to see if it happens. Um, and something that I've always uh, that I've always kind of said to myself is like, I'm not I'm not short on ideas. I've convinced myself that I'm never going to run out of ideas. Um, and if I kind of roll with that mentality, then it's it's always going to be all right because there's always going to be another idea. You know, you, you, you meet these people and they think, well, like, this is the idea. This is the one idea. This is the one dream. Um, and they do this, like, deferred life plan. Um, and they, like, defer their dream. They defer their whatever to pursue this one idea. It's like, man, you got to have a bunch of ideas in there. You know, it's interesting because I asked um, one of my friends here in Bali who had this really, you know, influential business mentor who was very successful. And the one piece of advice, he's like, all right, I got you know, one chance. What's your one, one sentence? Give it to me. And his, his, his advice was, 
Never hide your ideas. Share your ideas freely. And it's always, you know, it's the red flag. It's like the, it's like the awkward moment when the new entrepreneur puts the NDA on the table. It's like, oh man, how's your job going, man? How many, what's, what, what level is your 401k contribution at? You know what I mean? It's like, you can read the writing on the wall. This person is not used to being in the business world. They don't understand that. It's the, the winners are the people who are freely distributing their ideas and, and believing like you do that they're going to wake up the next day and they're going to, they're going to have another one. Even more so today than, than ever. I remember one of the first times that happened to us. It's probably happened about 50 times since we started doing business uh, back in whenever, 2007. But the first time we went to a local San Diego meetup and this guy was getting all fired up, ready to tell us about his idea. And then he told us that he couldn't tell us about it. I'm like, what the hell are we doing here then, man? Are you kidding me? What? Hey, I have this thought written down, um, Ian, as we round out the episode today and... Uh, we're closing the DC on Saturday and I outline the reasons in the dynamite circle as to why we're doing that. Um, part of the reason is since, uh, the Bangkok meetup, uh, the number of members signing up has increased dramatically. And so our onboarding process has really fallen behind. Yeah. And so basically, you know, the DC is so magical cause we kind of all know each other. Yep. Like through, there's all these sort of interconnectedness behind it. And when you just got a bunch of people sort of of, of coming in, it's a little bit difficult to create that, the process that engenders the positivity and all the great things that happen in there. So here's what I decided. I decided we'll close it on, on Saturday. We're going to make that process awesome. And we're going to share with the members like all the lore and the stories and the connective tissue that sort of brings us all together. And even better, um, I'm going to preserve our team's time to make that place better. And that's really the biggest thing. So what ended up happening was that the onboarding process became a major constraint to improving the DC. So um, just to give people sort of like the behind the scenes reasoning to what I'm thinking here is that now I'm, I'm greedily looking at these this huge chunk of hours over the next few months that's wiped clean because we'll have no new members. So we'll be able to use that time to make a better product. And I'm really excited about that, so. yeah. And I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about the ways in which we've we've actually built this product because this is something that we've talked about for a long time. And I think at some point we're gonna have to like sit down and do a whole episode on on how this process looks, you know, and and just detail it out for everybody so we can make this something that people can replicate. Yeah. Well, let me take a stab at it for five minutes. What do you think? So sure. Um, I'll call this a a prescription for your passive income dream because the uh. The Dynamite Circle is this kind of income. It's like Cambodia cash income. It It's asynchronous. It's email support. It's subscription-based. It's virtual. It's a really sweet source of income, obviously, because it just keeps coming. It's six figures of basically passive income. Um, it's not super passive, though, right? Because you got to... It's, it's about as passive as it gets on the internet marketing game. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's, you know, there's meetups behind it and there's plane tickets and there's staff and stuff like that. So it's not, you know, it's not like there's no cost involved, but we're not doing it the cheapest way possible per se. Well, no, and we shouldn't because we want to grow it and we want to make it great. You know, here's the thing. If we were just to, you know, start bragging about how awesome it is to have a, all this passive income and then go sit on a beach somewhere, I mean, it's going to go away. Correct. <laughs> yeah. That's the, I mean, that's the thing, you know, you got to wake up to this stuff. So, I mean, of course we can hire great people and, and we're putting teams in place and I'm super excited about that. But I just want to talk about a couple things that we've done differently from other products I've seen out there that maybe people could use in their business. And I call this, you know, the way you got to get started with these kind of quote passive income businesses is to have a high friction honeymoon. 
Okay. And, and all this means is like, it's not good enough just to have like a good blog post and then a mailing list opt in and then, you know, an offer and all this stuff. I mean, it's like, come on, man, you have to engage with people on a deeper level than that. And for us, it really started with in-person phone calls and in-person events. So, I mean, on the one hand, it's like, all right, well, how do I start a forum with 40 members right out of the gate? That might be like a really daunting prospect if you've got even a pretty large mailing list. But if I were to say to you, Ian, well, let's imagine that you had a mastermind call with 10 people on it. Do you think it would be that difficult to invite those people into a forum after the call and then ask them to invite two of their most qualified friends? Exactly. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, I think Damien Thompson, he started a, a thread in the DC the other day that was just basically like, hey, this is cool that we're all hanging out in here. And uh, Dave Huss, he jumped in there and said, yeah, it's hard to believe that this started from a bunch of people just meeting up in PG. And that's essentially what it what happened is we had the mastermind, we got on the call, then we all went in the forum. And then we had this event in PG where 20 people showed up. And then, then we said to all those guys, hey, you should jump in this forum so we can continue this conversation. So right there, we had 30 people. Um, when we were starting this, I got tons and tons of advice that didn't feel right to me from a not only like a moral perspective but from a value perspective and from a strategic perspective um, and it was a lot of these old school marketing advice like everybody said to me um, you know you shouldn't have a separate domain everybody said to me you should have an affiliate program everybody said to me you should charge way more than you're charging um, and you know all these kinds of things that we never ended up following <laughs> It seems to have worked out a little bit. And, um, you know, one of the things we don't do is like upsells. A lot of places like, man, you, they upsell you right when you get in the door. And that just, that drove me crazy. Obviously, we've talked at length about why we don't have affiliates. And that's this issue of inefficient distribution. It really annoys me when marketers have products that they tack an extra like $300 onto them just for their affiliates to mention on their blog. So you're passing on the expenses of your inefficient distribution of your product, um, you're passing that on to me as a customer. And that, that to me is, is, is like, and, and you see it, like the, the- It's beyond annoying. It's, it's not only annoying, but like the, this is the trail of the dead. Like the internet is littered with these products that they're gone in three years. I mean, I would like to see the dynamite circle be around five years from now. Is that such a ridiculous ambition in today's day and age? I don't think so. The reason it's priced the way it is is because I think that that's a correlate to the value that we're, we're, we're delivering to people there. It, people can look at that and say, I'm getting a 10x ROI on that. I think that's important for information products. Now, you know, a lot of people say, well, okay, well, if you don't charge a lot, Dan, how are you going to prevent, um, you know, a bunch of losers from joining or a bunch of people who don't have legitimate businesses? And it, it, my kind of thing is like, really, are you so, you know, hung up for ways to raise the bar a little bit that the only way you can do that is with price. And so I think like these, these old school marketing dualities, it's like, you know, people are only really serious if they're willing to pay you X amount a year. It's not true. And I know that because I'm part of that market and I'm not willing just to pay just anybody a couple thousand dollars a year. And that's not the only indication of my seriousness. Let me tie this back into um, our initial point, which is to proceed into the unknown. I guess in retrospect, I'm really happy that I didn't listen to everybody's like standard advice. And, and I, I, you gotta ask yourself, like, where is this advice coming from? Is it coming from 
like U.S. Census data research that's 100% comprehensive and known. Well, no, this is coming from a bunch of old school marketers that have learned from other old school marketers that have learned from other people that have been, quote, successful. And these are, you know, presented as these principles that always work or whatever. Um, and, and that bothers me because their model might be a little bit different. Like I look back at a lot of these like original gangsters and I see their businesses decaying a little bit. Or their message is not landing as powerfully anymore. And I think, you know, maybe that's not the most sustainable model or maybe that's not the way forward. Or maybe um, those people were sending out messages that were training teams of affiliates. So of course they're going to give advice like it needs to be more expensive. Or of course they're going to give advice like you need to have an affiliate program. You know what I mean? Because that was what their businesses depended on. Whereas, you know, you, you look at this whole new group of fourth generation marketers like the AdSense flippers and like Pat Flynn and people like that, that have a completely different approach and a completely different messaging. So I think I'm really glad in retrospect, Ian, that we proceeded into the unknown. You know, we knew DCers, we knew who they were. We were on the phone with them. We met them in person. And it, it, we didn't have to like all of a sudden go back into this first gear advice, which is let's just do what everybody before us did. So yeah, proceed, and uh, we, we were ignorant punks, I'm sure, on a lot of different levels too. That's uh, that's probably what uh, helped us be successful in the manufacturing space too, is we just didn't know any better, <laughs> and so we just kind of did things our own way, and it, it seemed to work out. Uh, and then you know we got slapped around for quite a bit of time, and then uh, you know smartened up to it. Yeah, and I, and I, don't, I also like don't want to present this as like some grand success or anything. It's 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 sweet. It's a it's a fantastic six figure business, and it's built on the fact that we are spending every day like doggedly trying to make make the DC a better product for DCers, and that's pretty much it. And trying to keep it not like this incredibly huge cost for them in the meantime as we build out that value. Speaking of building out, man, we've got a cool new feature in there. It's the, uh, well, should I even talk about it yet? Uh, it's awesome. Isaac, well, let's just give a shout to Isaac Dudek. He's actually, you know, Isaac Dudek is a long-term LBP listener, and he's a fantastic developer. He's making this just like killer directory in there. Yeah, totally. So he, he made a map. Yeah, that's totally douchey. I mean, should we even talk about it? He made a map, <laughs> and then uh, now he's overlaying on that map a directory. So it's like really easy. One of the problems with the DC um, was trying to filter through and figure out what everybody's expertise was. And so now you can go into the map, and this will be live in about a week or two. Go to the map. You can either filter by location where DCRs are, or you can filter by expertise. And I love this because uh, the other day somebody asked me, they said, hey man, I need a package designer and I'm in the DC. Who should I go to? And I think um, I pointed him to, to Rick and I said, oh man, you got to check out Rick. I love his stuff. And so now you can just go in there and you can just filter by expertise. As you're thinking about building businesses, Ian, I wrote this thing down last night. I said, building a business, how long does it take to build a business? And the answer is, shorter than you think, but longer than you can stand. And, and does that make sense? Like, you know, sure. it's really easy to get impatient, like, you know, and I think part of this is proceeding into the unknown. When you look back to the John Dumas story, like at the beginning, he knew it was worth building this podcast because he felt the inherent value in that. And I feel like we felt that way with this particular product. Now, it could have been the case like six months down the line that no one was agreeing with us and we would have scrapped it and done something different like we did with Tropical Workforce or the freaking myriad of other products that have not worked out for us. But um, I think that's a sort of an interesting little mantra. It's shorter than you think. It doesn't take, you know, it's not going to take you your whole life to get to the kind of success that you're seeking, but it's certainly going to be longer than you can stand. <laughs> you're going to be impatient as you go about it. All right, and what do you say? 
we wrap it up and get moving on to just the kids. Wow, a whole episode full of rambling, philosophical meanders. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I know you and I like it. I don't know if everybody else likes it. <laughs> Maybe we need to uh, start a new show. It's called Philosophical Ramblings that you probably don't want to listen to on the LBP. Yeah, so, hey, man, do you got any uh, quick tips for this episode? Yeah, so uh, I want to follow up on my last quick tip, which was the FIO E6, E7, I think. Anyways, yep. I got the thing in the mail. It's uh, definitely pretty cool, um, but it doesn't work so well with the beats. So I had hoped that it would amplify the sound, and I had hoped that it would um, uh, create a clearer signal for the music uh, that I was listening to. I'm not, I'm not speaking in technical terms here. Obviously, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're but a fool for trying to improve the beats. Amplify the sound, and it works really well for non-amplified headphones. Um, that's not the case with the beats. Um, so it didn't really enhance the sound. It didn't really hurt the sound. But I guess I would go back and say the FIO E6, E7. Uh, it's really great for unamplified headphones, and I'll still use it on my earbuds, but I just won't use it with the beats. Hey, have you tried it on your iPhone 5 yet? No, no, I haven't yet. Would you mind running a little test run? Someone on the last episode commented and wanted to know if it would work to improve the iPhone five sure all right buddy hey speaking of amplification um ben herbert from white raver rafting you probably remember him from back in the 120s somewhere ian we spent a bunch of time talking about white raver rafting ben's doing a bunch of exciting things including a new web application but today the most exciting thing is sending us a sweet track love is all i got by feed me and the crystal fighters (laughs) freaking fantastic ian fantastic to be on the phone with you on a no, end of a four-hour ma- marathon, man. We got a lot of a lot of things in the hopper. We better get back to work. I'll see you next Thursday morning. Booyah. Love is all I got. I can't live with everything I've lost because love will come to stay. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do. Wake your soul with love in the morning. Feed your soul with love in the evening. Expand your soul with love on the weekend. Is all I got so we can solve with love in the morning. We just solve with love in the evening. Expand your soul with love on the weekend. Cause love is all I got. We can solve with love in the morning. We just solve with love in the evening. Expand your soul with love on the weekend. Cause love is all I got. My darling, I can give you what you want if what you want is love. Darling, I can give you what you want. What you want is love. So save us